Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. I am going to interview David about vaccine education. Now, you guys may be asking yourself, why in church do I want to hear about vaccine? Yeah, because um, I want you guys to live. Hold on a second. I'm going to pull this up. Um, I, I really do. And, he, and here's the truth. Um, Jesus said, well, Jesus, um, the Old Testament says that my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And so I think it's really important. I've learned so much about vaccines um, and the healthcare industry that I didn't know over the last couple of years. And I've really had an awakening. You know, God is waking his people up. And it's not just a spiritual awakening, but it's an awakening to see what's happening all across the earth. That all of a sudden we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Isn't that right? right. And a heart that understands. First Thessalonians 5.23 out of the message says this. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You know, we're made of three parts. And just as the, the triune God is made of three parts, we're made of three parts. And what we do with our spirit is important. What we do with our soul is important. But also how we care for our body is important. Because if we are sick, we cannot run to the fullest that God has for us. And I don't know about y'all, but I plan on ending this life with my hair on fire, not going out with a whimper. Amen? Amen. So um, I so believe good. there's some alarms going off about uh, this coronavirus vaccine in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some of the ingredients and I thought, wait, 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 what is this? And um, so I just want to talk about it. I just want to, and, and David is a, actually an expert on viruses and he burns for this. And, um, and so I just wanted to have him here so we can all learn a little bit more. Now listen, <clears throat> I vaccinated all of my children, and all seven of them, thinking that it was the right thing to do. A lot of my children suffered from ADHD, severe. One of them so severe that we had to put her in a special school. And, um, and John can tell you, we had to hold her by our shoulders to get her to hold still to pay attention to us. And even then, she would throw her head about. And this special school cost us $30,000 a year. So she had experienced vaccine injury. Now, she was prayed for by some guys at Bethel Church, and her brain was healed through their prayers. And I can tell you that today, because of the blood of Jesus, my daughter, you know, she is fine. She graduated from college um, now she's great. And so, um, but we had to go through all of that and it, and it was really uh, very trying on our family. Um, so why don't we go ahead and start? So David, 
Can you tell us about the history of vaccines and how long ago vaccines were developed? <laughs> Boy, let's just start with this, shall we? <laughs> so that's, it's, it's such a long convoluted history that you know, most people don't really realize where it comes from. So let me just start with this first of all. She mentioned that I worked at the busiest emergency room in the United States, and I did. And when I went to work at the emergency room, um, I really was very, very pro-vaccine. So just everybody here, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Like, first of all, we're, we're all together. Can I get an amen? amen. No, matter, no matter where you're sitting on this subject, we're, it's all good. There's no judgment. We're all in the same place. We're all loved by God, and he's the solution. But when I went to work at that emergency room, like, if you did not, if you, if you were against or you were questioning vaccines, I really thought that you in a way were an abusive parent because I was the guy that helped make sure that everybody got vaccinated. Actually, I even helped hold children down to make sure they got vaccinated because I thought it was so important. Uh, and I, I won't go into the whole story, but I never even questioned because I just, everybody just knows. Everybody knows vaccines are good. Everybody knows that they're safe and effective. Everybody knows, everybody knows. And then one day I show up, uh, and again, busiest ER, imagine the busiest emergency room you've ever even heard of, and we're so busy, we don't have time for anything else. And um, anyway, long story short, a, a child of three months old came in, two, four months, somewhere in there, uh, was vaccinated, high-pitched screaming, high fever, and then dies. It, it was, they were running code, and so they were trying to resuscitate him all the way through, and I met him at the, at the street, brought him in, and then, of course, I got him there, they called it. Um, Long, long story. We were so busy, I didn't have time to go all the way across the hospital and go down and get a, you know, nine-foot morgue cart. And he said, just, just take him down, just wrap him in a sheet and take him down. I'm thinking, oh, that's, that makes sense. And so uh, here I am calloused by death every day, all day. And I thought, well, no, I just, so I wrapped this child up in a sheet, and how do you hold a baby? Like this. So I'm holding a baby, but the, his head is completely covered, so I'm like, you, I can't hold him like this. I got to kind of just pretend that he's laundry, I guess. So I did this, walked down the hallway, got to the elevator, went down, and there's full of families in the elevator. And I'm sitting there holding this baby. I can feel him on my hip like he's dirty laundry. And um, get down there, and I'm still pretty calloused about it. When I got back, I, I was, nothing had moved me. Gunshot wounds, you know, people, you know, decapitated, amputated, like just blood, I mean, just imagine. But something about a child dying just rocked me. It's, it just sent a crack through the middle of me. When I got back, they were talking about how he had just got his vaccine, and this all broke off, and then he died. And I thought to myself, well, that, it, I was so emotionally moved by it, it began to make me start questioning. So I started in with vaccines never do harm. They're safe and effective. Everybody knows. And then I got to this point where I'm like, well, it happened to that one, so how many else? And then that just I just bit by bit started looking. And then when you start looking at the history, you know, it starts back in the 1600s and 1700s, and they started scraping, you know, pus off of udder of a cow, and then scraping that into a wound of a human being, thinking that it would, it would help. Jenner, if you guys were, you know, in school, you remember about Jenner and, the, and smallpox, right? Remember that? And so, uh, but it, there was no science. He literally said, because the eight-year-old child that he could have killed with this, uh, because the child never got smallpox, that it was definitive that it worked. But how many people know that if you got a flu shot and you didn't get the flu, it doesn't necessarily mean the flu shot didn't or worked, right? I mean, you might not have got the flu anyway. Does it make sense? So there was no scientific validation. There was no backup. There was nothing. And he postulated, as if it was fact, 
that once the kid, the eight-year-old, didn't get it, that he was immune from smallpox forever. And that's where the whole thing started. And then you just fast forward into um, uh, vaccination itself, and you get, especially get into uh, 1900s. They, they started isolating the virus for influenza or for whatever else. And you basically see that um, they start, started trying to do some things like to introduce it. The problem with it is, every, when I start to talk about vaccines, people really truly believe that vaccines eradicate a disease. Anytime I bring it up, what's the first thing people bring? Well, we don't have polio, right? Polio's gone because we vaccinated. Well, look at that. I brought some slides, and I, I hate to get too nerdy on you, but I do nerd out. I have a photographic memory. I love to read. So if you would, just put up that first slide, and I'm not sure which one this is. Is it polio? Okay. Well, great. Came up first. first. So uh, for polio, what you're seeing there is you're seeing when the vaccine was introduced and what was happening before the vaccine was introduced. And what you see is the decline rate of the, vac of the uh, disease was already well on its way. Do you guys see that? Here's something else that you don't see. In other countries, without a vaccine uh, procedure, their polio actually went down faster than ours without vaccines. Go to the next one. What's this one? Uh, that is, that is uh, how many cases were there before and after vaccine? What do you see? It went up after vaccination. The majority of all people that have even had polio in the last 70 years actually had it because of the polio vaccine. Did you get that? I know I'm speaking blasphemy here. So, uh, next. Look at this one. What is this one? Measles. And again, what do you see? When was the vaccine introduced? At the end. Again, countries without vaccine programs actually eradicated the disease before they even have it. Go to the next one. Pertussis, same thing. Do you guys see a pattern? Yeah. Go to the next one. Also, this was uh, the, th what is this? Yeah, so those are three diseases that there was no vaccines for, and they just happened at the exact same time, the exact same rate to go away, the exact same way that the diseases that were vaccinated for, the way that they went away. And yet you think with this, I mean, Doctors, with as much intelligence as we seemingly have, you think would go, huh, I wonder, since those went away without any vaccines, and it was exactly the same time period, the same rate as the other ones, if there could be some correlative thing that actually caused those to go away. Make sense? Now, I want to just do just, I'm, I'm big into history. I'm a history nut. Any history nuts in the house? <laughs> Love some history. So... Um, if you look back in history, if I said uh, 1700s, 1800s, early 1900s, you guys would get some kind of goggles that you would put on, and you would see the world, and you would think, um, you know, a cute little horse and buggy, or, or some lady in a flowing long dress with a big hat, and a guy with a top hat, right? And you would think of, like, you know, beautiful strolls and things. Listen, this was not the 1700s, 1800s, and early 1900s. As industrialization came to pass, Everybody moved into cities, and as a result, some cities saw ninefold increase instantaneously, almost overnight. There was no city planners. And let me just describe why disease was so rampant, okay? It's not because of lack of vaccines. What it was, was so many people in one place with horrible conditions. So imagine no running water, imagine no sewer systems, and when somebody used a little potty toilet in their house, guess where it went? out the window, out the door, into the street, in the sidewalk, into the alley. Got it? 
Very little uh, trash uh, stuff going on in the city. So guess where they threw the trash? Out the door, out the window, into the streets, in the alleys. It was everywhere. In fact, there would be 11, 12, 15, there was one 17 people in one room that was just as much bigger than a closet. I mean, barely enough for them to lay sideways. Several families, no ventilation. One in 20 lived in um, basements, underground, damp, most of the time filled with water and still living in there. Imagine what this looks like. You're walking through human feces. The food was rotting food. There was no legislation. Most people ate rotting meat. In fact, actually, when they first, in 1858, when legislation was passed on being illegal to sell rotten meat, uh, that what they did was the meat product people, they actually took rotten meat, they turned it into sausage, put it with a bunch of spices so that nobody knew it, and then it was too bad to actually eat like that. They gave it to the pigs. The pigs would eat it, and then they just slaughtered the pigs and gave it to the people anyway. And so there was very little live food. So imagine the working situation was horrible too. People would work 16-hour days, seven days a week. Children as young as four would be put in coal mines. Um, the average age of a homeless person was 13 to 15, and the average uh, life expectancy of a homeless person was 15 to 16 years. Here's the thing. It wasn't viruses that caused death. Did everybody hear that? Yeah. What it was was filth horrible life, hard living. And again, like every single thing in a city, every single standing structure had a chimney with smoke coming out of it and factories 10 times more. So every single surface of every single thing was covered in soot ash and dirt. You guys get that? Most people didn't have shoes, so they literally walked through it. The, the rivers and streams where people actually got their drinking water had islands of human feces going downstream. Everybody got that? Everybody with me? This was not like the grand ballroom things that you used to talk about. So why was disease so bad? It was disease was so bad because people were so filthy, overworked, and malnutritioned. Does it make sense? So now introduce the, the uh, end of eight, uh, 1800s, beginning of 1900s, people start to do what? There's sewer systems, there's plumbing, there's uh, clean water, there's ventilation, there's pe people are opening up, there's, there's more opportunity, there's better food. Everybody with me? There's city planning. There's cleanliness. Everybody got that? So at, that is exactly when we saw this, right? But what have you been taught? What have we all been indoctrinated to believe? Vaccines did that. So that's basically the history where we started. Now, where you, where you really start getting into craziness, and I, one of my favorite presidents is Ronald Reagan. In 1986, he passed legislation because there were so many lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies for so much death and destruction from vaccines. And everybody knows that pharmaceutical companies have the most money to spend on, um, you know, well, free dinners and trips to congressmen and senators. That they actually, they actually got to them and said, hey, listen, you've got to do something. We're not going to be able to make vaccines anymore. In fact, there was only one maker of a pertussis vaccine left because it killed so many kids that there were so many cases out there that they couldn't keep going, which is not a bad thing. But he passed the um, National uh, Act for Childhood Vaccine Act, which protected all pharmaceutical companies from any and all liability from any damage or death caused by vaccines in 1986. So that's, that's when things got really interesting. At that point in 1986, we went from having somewhere around, depending on who you were and how old you were, you got um, around two dozen vaccines from the age of birth until 18. But now there's no liability, guess what? 
I'm going to, if I'm a pharmaceutical company, I'm going to petition that if this works, and we all agree it works, everybody knows it's safe and effective, don't kids deserve more? And so it went from two dozen to six dozen vaccines uh, by the age of 18. Now, they're also combined, so don't get me wrong. They'll be through like DPT as diphtheria, pertussis, tetanus. So they're combined, right? Here's the other thing. After 1986, and because we have so many more vaccines, to show that they work, uh, so to give you an idea how a vaccine works, I inject a vaccine full of attenuated or, or dead virus into my body, right? And then my body makes an antibody to it, and then I check my blood for antibodies to the virus, and I can show you that it, quote, works. Make sense? Now, I have no lifetime immunity. It's, it actually can work between two and four months. They think maybe as much as a year to three years, but it's actually a lot less than they think. But once they started adding all these other vaccines, to show that it works, the way that a vaccine has to stimulate your own immune response, now because we're doing so many of these, they can't get bodies to respond. So what they had to start doing is they started adding things into the vaccine to cause your immune system to respond. Wow. Or, or actually to go crazy at some point in time, because some level it's like there's so many in there to get even a reaction, I got to put some crazy stuff in there. So this can tell us a little bit about how vaccines have changed over the years. Yeah. Right? So they started off very small. Like for us, we gave our kids, what, I think a total of eight vaccines, Right? Then when 1986 came along, we saw a, a big increase Massive. in the vaccines that were required for our kids. Mm -hmm. So you're saying it went from like 8 to 12 to now 80. Somewhere about that, yeah. Depending on the kid, depending on where you're at, depending on your age, it's a lot. Yeah. And that's now the schedule. That's now the schedule. And you can look it up. It's on the Texas Department of Health. Yeah, I have looked it up. It's yeah. incredible what's required now. Yeah. The other thing, too, the, the way they've changed is because kids have gotten so many more vaccines, they can't get their bodies to make a response. They've added 15 times the amount of toxic substances we call adjuvants into the vaccine to stimulate the immune system. So before, when there was just uh, like pre-2000, when there was mercury in the form of thimerosal, right? Everybody thinks that vaccines are bad because mercury. But when they took those, majority, they're still in there, but when they took that out uh, post-2000, they actually switched it with mercury or with aluminum, right? Now the average newborn baby gets almost 5,000 micrograms of aluminum, a nanoparticle aluminum, in their bloodstream at birth. At birth. At birth. Newborn. Newborn. And if you look, like we put, we put drops in kids' eyes, right? That's if you have a venereal disease as a mom. If you don't have that, you don't have to put the drops in the eyes. It's just supposedly keep you from going blind if you have it. But those drops have 250 micrograms of mercury. Well, the, the uh, vitamin K shot that they give a newborn baby has 350 micrograms of mercury. And then you start getting into hep B. Well, the only way that you can get hepatitis B is through sexual intercourse or IV drug use. So unless you think your newborn baby is going to be having an orgy with drugs, I think that they're going to be just okay without hep B. But we give them hep B, and by that time, they're in the course of about 750 micrograms of mercury before they ever get to mom's hands, basically. So that mercury, explain that, because those are heavy metals. So mercury is probably the most toxic heavy metal on the face of planet Earth. If you break a uh, thermometer in a school or a building or something like this, hazmat by law has to clear the entire building for one thermometer being broken and a hazmat team come in and clean it up. And yet when you inject it into your babies, it's supposed to be safe. Wow. 
All right, can you tell us some of the other, what did you call them? Adjuvunks. <laughs> yeah. I would be happy to talk about adjuvunks. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff in there. Spots. First of all, um, actually, there's a slide somewhere in there. It's a, it's a picture, actually, of a, of a shot in the middle, and around it, it's got all the adjuvunks. And you guys can see that. Do you see it right there? Yeah, so you look at that. Aluminum is one. It causes cancer. Formaldehyde is one. Um, antibiotics. Uh, squalene. Squalene is an uh, adjuvant. It's an oil that's, that uh, a lot of them use for a base. We, tr we tr believe now, actually, in, the, in, uh, in court cases that are using this, it, it's what we think that is related to um, Gulf War syndrome for military uh, because of the squalene amounts that they got uh, at the time. Uh, sorbate 80. And then here's one that just started in the last um, 15 years or so. They're using aborted fetal tissue. And I have people go, no, they don't put dead babies in vaccines. Don't be ridiculous. That's like conspiracy theory. That's, you know, that's like Bigfoot or something. Well, look it up. There, there is aborted fetal tissue in uh, a lot, if not all, of the vaccines now. And because if I inject dead baby tissue into your system, you're your, your immune system is going to go nuts. And combine that with squalene and formaldehyde and aluminum, it goes really Okay, nuts. so I have a question about that because what you're doing, if you have the body tissue of another human injected into your body, aren't you injecting DNA into your body? That's where things get a little squirrely. And no, nobody really knows the end result of that. But what you can see is when you start injecting uh, vaccines with aborted fetal tissue in it, cancer rates, pediatric cancer rates go up every time. Wow. Wow. Again, <laughs> welcome to church, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Like, like, this is not one of those subject matters that we all like, I'm so glad I went to church. It was so edifying. Like, if you're a parent, you know, it's like you could feel judged. Don't feel judged. If you, like, I was vaccinated. You, you were probably vaccinated. It's okay. Jesus has it. Can everybody get that? Jesus has got it. But you start getting in the subject matter, nobody wants to talk about it. Let me tell you why nobody wants to talk about it. Because if you talk about it, you are made to believe that you are going to be the the outcast, that you are a minority, and you better shut your mouth. In fact, what's the last thing you ever post on social media about the subject matter? Ever. Vaccines. Or Jesus. Actually, actually, people are like, oh, yeah, I know I'm Muslim, but go ahead with your Jesus thing. You post vaccinations, people will start shooting bullets at you. Yeah, it's Like, it's true. ridiculous. In it's fact, true. actually, that used to be. Now they just pull your whole Facebook page down. I got put in Facebook jail so many times, I feel like I live there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And you know if they're trying to quiet you, then there might be something that you're saying that's actually right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so next question. What is the effectiveness or damage of vaccines? All right, so if you'll go just past the uh, slides that have the um, graphs, you look at a couple things. There, actually, you know what? There's a, um, there's a picture. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. There's a picture. It says four billion on it. Go to that one. Or side effects. Yeah. So there's actually there's a whole list of side effects caused by vaccines. This one in particular is measles. If you look at it, and it goes through an entire laundry list of all the things that it causes. Can you put that up there? You guys are doing awesome. Thank you. Can I get a, a hand for the AV guys? Awesome. 
So there is a laundry list of things, and I, was, I sat down with Judy Mikovich. Has anybody heard of Judy Mikovich? Yeah. So I got a chance to spend about an hour with her uh, at our last conference uh, about a week or two ago. Um, she's the real deal, by the way, and she's not, uh, she didn't set out to be somebody who is like taking on the machine. But uh, she, her, she just started finding things, and she published it, and then her, she lost her whole life. Well, what she found was there's latent viruses, et cetera, in the vaccines that because we are exposed to that, some, not all, bodies can't take that and they immediately have a response, right? And so what does that look like? Well, it's different for everybody because everybody's different. So like I had a patient one time, she was at a uh, Dallas Cowboys football game years ago. She was a college student and they were giving away free flu vaccines as you walk in. She was like, well, I'm a college student. I like free. Free is good. Give me a shot. Little tiny thing. She said by the time she got to her seat, her whole arm was swollen. And as she sat there, she started shivering. She got a fever. And then she got so nauseous, she threw up in her seat. And she didn't know if she could make it back to her car. In fact, she couldn't. A friend had to drive her home. She got home. She slept for 16 hours straight. And when she woke up, she couldn't move any of her joints like this. And her fingers would begin to go like this. And within three months, she had full-blown rheumatoid arthritis. And when she came and she goes, do you think that was caused by the vaccine? I'm like, well, and the reason she asked that is because when she asked the ER doctor that she first went to, guess what he said? Absolutely not. Irrefutable. Everybody knows vaccines are safe and effective. So. Wow. Can you tell me about um, the correlation between autism increase in autism mm -hmm. and vaccinations. Yeah, so interestingly enough, so if you go to, actually go back to the one before that. So if you go to this, um, I'm going to hit autism here in a second, but if you look at this, this is actually because of the 1986 uh, law that was made, this is the vaccine court system for, for the vaccines that everybody knows safe and effective, right? As, as soon as they tell you that vaccines are safe and effective, I want you to know that over four billion of your tax dollars have been paid to U.S. citizens whose children have been maimed or killed by vaccines. Four billion dollars. Right, that? And here's the thing. The, the, um, the adverse reaction reporting system is so underutilized that most nurses working in emergency rooms have never actually seen one filled out. And when asked, they say, well, it's at least... 10% of vaccine reactions are reported. Let me tell you something. It's not one one-hundredth of a, of a percent are, are reported. But even those that were reported, it has to go through that system to even be paid. So I want you to think about how many more that is. So we're looking at anywhere between 1.28 million to 50 million children who've died or been damaged, or in, and adults now, been damaged by that. You start looking at the um, respect to autism. You go to the next one. So this is, I believe, yeah, this is um, autism rates. Can everybody see that? So I think it's in the 70s, far left. It's one in 10,000. Now just track that over. The, t the number on the far right is 2020. Anybody see what that number of every, this is of all the children born today, that's how, what the number is. Went from one in 10,000 to what? One in 54, and at the current increase, it looks like one out of two, every other child, will be autistic if things continue within the next two to five years. Every other child will be autistic. Has anybody taken care of an autistic child? Does anybody know what that looks like? 
Does anybody know what that costs? We actually have an autistic school right here, and so we see exactly. these kids all the time, yeah. and they're just precious. Yeah. But it's, it's just heartbreaking yeah. to know that that was actually avoidable. Mm -hmm. If you look, go ahead and the next slide. So this is, um, next one. Maybe. Oh, where are we at? Uh, I can't see it. What is it? You can't. Yeah, so, the, so this was the amount of, of aluminum that's in vaccines. So aluminum is a, is a naturally, it's not naturally, when it's in vaccines, it causes, naturally, it causes uh, inflammation. Got it? So the only way that you can get an a vaccine to work is to cause inflammation. Now, you can see right where the vaccine was introduced, different vaccines were introduced that have high amounts of aluminum, and I want you to look at the rates of autism. Do you see it? Is it correlative? Is it congruent? Do you see an association scientifically with that? Now, everybody that you talk to who has not seen those will say, no, vaccines have never been associated with autism. In fact, the, uh, everybody remembers uh, about six, eight years ago, there was, it was going back and forth, CNBC, MSNBC, uh, they all actually broadcast news at the end of the evening news and said that the definitive study on autism and vaccines has come out and there is no definitive link. Remember that? Guess what? Recently, they actually came back and said that the authors said what we said was not true. And guess what? Did they ever go back on all of the news stations and all the newspapers and say that they retracted their statement? No, but guess what they said? All the studies, the studies have proven over and over again because it fits the narrative. So if you look here, this is again, autism prevalence, vaccine uh, introduction, and aluminum adjuvants. There's that word again in vaccines. Go to the next one. Uh, do vaccines cause cancer? Now we see children with brain tumors and stuff. You asked about uh, cancer, et cetera. It says, have we traded mumps and measles for cancer and leukemia? Go to the next one. And I love this doctor. He says, the results of suppressing measles and in other infectious disease, basically childhood diseases, is, is basically cancer and all the, all, other autoimmune chronic diseases. So go to the next one. Watch this. It says, if you are exposed to, actually not that one yet, but if you're exposed to, everybody look at me, if you're exposed to measles, if you're exposed to chickenpox, et cetera, et cetera, your likelihood of cancer goes down, direct correlation. Do you get that? Naturally. Which is why if you're over the age of 40, especially over the age of 50, when you got chickenpox, guess what your neighborhood did? Everybody had a party at your house. Guess what happens if you got measles if you're over 50? I mean, you guys can go look at the, um, the um, Brady Bunch episode, right? Remember that? And they actually had chickenpox partners like, oh, I feel bad. Doop, 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 doop. And at the end of it, they were like, oh, they'll get over. And then here comes the maid. What's her name? Alice. She's like, oh, I got it. Mm. And it was like, ha, 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 ha. Now if you showed, they're like, oh, my God, bring in the hazmat. Bring, like, shut it down, shut it down. Like, they're going to kill somebody, right? Because the way that we move people now is through fear. This right here, suppression of disease and cancer, the results of suppressing measles and others is chronic diseases and cancer. Going to the next one. Uh, polio vaccine and cancer connection. 62 studies from 30 worldwide laboratories link polio vaccine to brain tumors, bone cancers, lung lining cancers, and what? Say it. Leukemia. Leukemia. See that a lot of kids? Go to the next one. 
This one says pediatric cancer has gone up 1% a year since 1974. Guess what we started doing really heavy in 1974? Vaccines, go to the next one. I am convinced, this is a doctor, this is um, Forbes Lori, MD, medical director of uh, the Metropolitan Cancer Hospital of London. I am convinced that the increase of cancer is due to vaccines. The most frequent disposing condition for cancerous development is, and I quote, vaccination and revaccination. Has anybody ever seen that before? But here's the thing, once you crack that open and start talking about it, what are we actually trading your child's eight-hour fever and a couple of itchy bumps for? Right? Go to the next one. And we'll, we'll leave that up, but we'll... Go through this. Is, I'm telling you, here's the, here's the problem. Most people want to be spoon fed the information, and you're not going to get spoon fed the information anymore because you're not going to find it. In fact, actually, when I went to look today to talk about uh, the amount of cases of COVID, right, because we're talking about how many cases of COVID versus how many deaths of COVID, do you think those two things are different? Well, when I looked, do you know no matter what search engine you use, you cannot find, I dare you, try it. You cannot find a graph that shows from the beginning of this year all the way until now. And do you know why? Because if you look at a graph, what's it look like? It's almost non-existent. And I don't mean to make light. I know that people, have, as soon as you start talking about COVID being a, a non-issue, people are like, well, my neighbor died. And I, listen, I hate that your neighbor died. But listen, you, you had a neighbor die last year that nobody talked about with the flu and uh, you can't find it. So my point is you're not going to be able to find the information spoon-fed to you. In fact, if you watch anything that is media or if you actually even scroll through your social media, you are actually fed what you're supposed to be fed. And so you have to do your own work. You have to open up the books. You have to do the teaching. What I hate to see, and again, no judgment, is parents who take the most precious thing God has given them, a life of a baby, and be indoctrinated by somebody who's extremely confident that vaccines are safe and effective and never question it because they were told never to question it and never open the books themselves. Listen, here's the thing. I am not anti-vaccine. Listen to me. I'm not anti-vaccine. What I am is I'm about knowing both sides of the story and seeing it. Now, here's the thing. Am I biased a little bit now? I mean, I carried baby, dead babies to a morgue. Of course I'm biased. I'm actually, I take care of multiple, multiple um, vaccine-injured kids in my office whose parents said they were perfect and they could talk and they could love and they could talk and they could sleep and they did great. And then they got vaccinated and it did destroy them. Like, I'm exposed to that nonstop. Am I biased? You bet I'm biased. I used to believe that there would be a time we could create a safe vaccine. I really did believe that. And I don't believe that anymore. And the reason I don't believe that anymore is because to make a vaccine that will create a reaction in your body, you have to have acute inflammation systemically throughout your whole body. And the only way that you can create a systemic hyperinflammation is to put something toxic and horrible. You can use the word poisonous if you want to. Yeah, poisonous in there so that your body goes off on it. Make sense? Okay, so um, let's talk about the coronavirus vaccine. How does this compare to other vaccines? And how much are we going to know about what's in it before <laughs> they tell us we have to have it? So we're getting limited amounts of data. And first of all, there's not one. Everybody knows there's multiple, multiple. 
It's like a space race from the 60s or whatever, 50s, 60s. Like whoever gets there first gets billions of dollars, right? Just the fact that somebody got to phase one, like Moderna, right? Remember the Moderna one? They actually got to phase one first, which by the way, 77% of all vaccines get through phase one. Less than 33% ever make it through the entire process. Now, isn't it true that Moderna has never made a vaccine before? That is, is 100% true. And the crazy part is when they actually said they got a vaccine to, 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 um, to phase one uh, research trials, which is all that means is you get a small bunch of college kids that you're buying free beer for. You basically, they got to there and their stock prices soared like 22% in one day. And then everybody else has surged too because we got a vaccine. Oh, we got a vaccine. The now, difference, what was the result of some of that first trial? So Moderna's first phase one trial had 38 people in it, right? 38 people. But when you actually, and it, all phase ones are real small anyway, right? But when you actually look for their data, only four of their subjects did they actually even publish the data. And it wasn't actually peer-reviewed. So the, what they put in there could have been like, yeah, saying that everybody levitated around the room and kumbaya or something. Like, like there was no peer-reviewed journal uh, stuff in it at all. They could say whatever they wanted. And when you actually went back to get the data, it was just gone. I wonder why they only put four out there, right? Makes sense? Now, mo there's four major vaccines in the United States from Johnson, Johnson, AstraZeneca, Moderna, all the rest. Some are protein-based. Some are, like the Moderna that everybody's talking about is the... Is the revolutionary one that is an, a messenger RNA. I don't know if have you guys been watching this a little bit. It's an mRNA vaccine, never been produced before. So when you start looking at different types of vaccines, the COVID vaccines right now, if they are protein-based, et cetera, they have to be refrigerated because they go bad. Even though there's toxic uh, stuff in there to make them last longer, they don't last unless they're, actually one of them has to be frozen at like negative 34 degrees Celsius and stayed that way and then brought to room temperature just for a second and then jabbed, almost frozen into the musculature. So to do that, imagine it's, it's almost impossible to keep it that way. One of the reasons the Moderna is so on the forefront is because it's the cheapest one to make uh, after you get it going, after you go through the research, and then it doesn't really have to be um, refrigerated. Now, let's talk about the dangers of it. A messenger RNA vaccine, the way that it works is, is it, they inject a, a um, genetically engineered sequence into you. And what it does is it free roams anywhere it wants to. Because it's RNA, it passes easily across your cell membranes. There doesn't have to be a gated channel or anything. It goes right through. It goes right to your, I don't want to get too technical, but ribosomes. It's the, it's the protein machinery, making machinery in your cell. Okay, everybody with me? And it hijacks it. It hijacks it, and it starts making virus, almost like HIV, but it supposedly doesn't make the whole virus. It just makes the crown part of, that's why they call it corona, because in Latin it means crown. It just makes the crown part, so supposedly you'll start making antibodies to that shape, and then you'll get immunity because you have that shape of antibodies, and your body will be able to recognize and see it. Here's the problem with that. Do you see that there could be a Pandora's box that you open up when you actually start to hijack your own cell's ability to create. Everybody with me? Now watch this. Here's, the, here's even a worse part. It actually has uh, up-regulating genes as part of the sequence, which means once it starts to make virus, it actually turns itself up. So it's like if I had my uh, 
my phone took to your speakers, and once I got it playing, there's sequence in that says I just keep hitting the volume up, 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 up. Is there another uh, danger in that? In fact, actually, the difference between a RNA virus, uh, like a cold virus or whatever else, the difference between that and what they have genetically created in this vaccine are almost um, uh, unseeable. You can't hardly see the difference, which means they have actually created another type of virus, but it ho hopefully doesn't create the whole virus, it just creates the crown part. Does that make sense? But then on top of that, what you have is you have all the adjuvants like you can't possibly imagine. And so uh, what's really dangerous about this is there's just never, this is, and actually the scientists that looked into it purposely did not want to do a vaccine that's an mRNA vaccine because of the, the literal dangers that it actually could do, including recoding your own DNA forever. There may be an issue with that. Now again, by me just speaking like this, let me tell you something. There's a red dot on me somewhere when I walk outside. <laughs> so actually in uh, Australia, chiropractors are losing their license for just giving moms and dads a book to say, hey, just read this so you can make an informed decision. In Canada, I know of at least three that have lost their license just for asking parents to go to a website to educate themselves on a vaccine because it's supposedly out of their scope of practice. Well, I, don't, I don't know about you, but my scope of practice is the health of a patient. And Jesus never made junk, and there's never been an emergency meeting of the Holy Trinity. And at the end of the day, I don't think that injecting dead baby tissue and aluminum into my bloodstream is going to make my child better. So here was a question that I had. Um, I always, my, my radar always goes up whenever the government says, I'm going to mandate something and everybody has to take it or you can't do X, Y, and Z. So for the amount of death rate that we have that is going down, the hospitals aren't overrun, the, the, that's not what I would call a pandemic, you know? I mean, I don't know if there's actually a number you have to reach in order for it to be called a pandemic, but... There is. I don't know what it is, but it is. Yeah. So I don't think we're there. And, um, and so, you know, we see that they're now coming up with uh, different, not cures, but different treatments that, that would help, right? Mm -hmm. Hydrochloroquine, Hydrochloroquine, zinc, zinc. and... There's also rest... Just therapeutics, resveratrol. What is this? Yeah, well, there's a bunch of them. Right. So, so I mean, and they say if you catch it, if you catch the coronavirus early, then you've got a three day, you know, three or four days before you're already well. Yeah. So um, incredible uh, what the doctors and scientists have been able to do. But there's so you've got this there. whole thing where they're saying, you know, if they're going to mandate it, and um, so. What, why would our government make coronavirus mandatory if the death rate is so low? Well, first of all, <laughs> I would like to jump on that horse and ride that to the barn. Like, you just, like, set that up and, like, it's not a conspiracy theory if it's a fact. But pharmace pharmaceutical companies are, are literal criminals. They've actually been found guilty, felony guilty and charged over $90 billion for killing people. And so, again, there, there's been an agenda since, since literally the 50s to mandate vaccines for every man, woman, and child. 
And just so we're clear, the whole, the whole point of kids in school and like everybody thinks it's mandatory for your kids to get vaccinated to go to school. By the way, it's not. In the state of Texas, you don't have to. Um, I just sign out the waiver. But the reason that it's mandatory or supposedly trying to be mandatory, number one is the fact that every, I don't say, a large percentage of people still think that vaccines are what? Safe and effective. So why would we push back on that? Here's the other thing. Right now in Congress, uh, in the House, uh, at every United States airline, uh, like Southwest Airlines uh, uh, president the other day, uh, two weeks ago, was on an interview, and he said, COVID has been crushing the uh, airline industry. I mean, crushing it, and just, it's been terrible. He goes, we have got to get back to life as normal on these planes again. And that's why I started listening to it. I was like, amen, brother, that's right, go, go. And he goes, as soon as we get a vaccine, we can stop wearing masks on the plane. We can so where they're wanting to go, and there, like I said, there's talks about this right now in basically every boardroom, is to create a system so that we can know if you have been vaccinated or not. Now, some of you guys think that it doesn't exist. Actually, in 19, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's 68, um, they actually, no, 70s, 70s, 75, they created an electronic system of being able to track uh, if people have been, um, or what their health records were, right? And then uh, in 19, I think it was 82, they actually passed a law saying that uh, the United States government could track you by your Social Security uh, number without your permission for your health records and health data. And then, uh, fast forward, I guess, to the late 80s, and again, don't quote me on the, on the dates, but it said that they could track you and your vaccine. So just so you know, there is a database right now with your social security number on it and how many vaccines that you've had, what you haven't had, what uh, the prescriptions you've been written your whole life, what you're currently taking, what you haven't taken, uh, when's the last time you went to your doctor, etc. Now, the way that this is, is seemingly wanting to play out and where I know a lot of people have fears and God did not give us a spirit of fear, is that true? Right. Right? So is that to be able to get on a plane, you would have to have a digital um, health record, which would basically be what? A vaccine record, uh, in order to actually purchase a plane ticket or a bus ticket or to get on Uber or to take a taxi, et cetera. Um, and then watch this. So, so what's, what's the first thing I'm going to think? Well, I'm going to drive everywhere. It's great. Except for the fact that if it's government mandated, in order for you to get your social security check if you're retired, if for, or your government stuff, to get your driver's license, if you are a professional in the state of wherever, to get relicensed every year, uh, all of that, you would have to have prerequisite to that to be vaccinated to do that. So now again- Now these are possibilities. They're not, this is not what's happened. But the reason I bring it up is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna get a little passionate here, but. The point is, the reason this is so important to have this conversation at a church is there was a while back where this country was founded and the home country was still England. And when things got rocky, people stood up. And the people, actually, we would still be speaking in an English accent if it wasn't for black robe preachers and churches standing up to say, this is what the Bible says, right? And so this is the reason that we're talking here for instance, two weeks ago, we had a family that's up in one of our, we have like 400 offices. Um, we had an Ohio office where a family had a, a six or seven-year-old, has lung disease, very serious, 
puts a mask on within two minutes is basically passing out, and you're going to have to call the ambulance to come get them. Got it? It's full-blown. It's a real thing. It's not just I don't want to wear a mask or I don't want to put a mask on my kid, which, you know, I might be there. But the point is the mom was like talking to the pulmonologist. This is a lung doctor, yes? And so the lung doctor says, hey, so you don't have to wear a mask. I mean, obviously he'll die. And so she just, he just wrote him a note and said, I'm sure there won't be an issue. So she didn't go to fight a fight. She goes, the teacher says, no, it's policy. You've got to wear a mask eight hours or whatever. Uh, and she's like, what? So went to the principal. Principal said the same thing. Went all the way up the chain to the superintendent of the entire school system. And he said, policy, got to wear the mask. And then he leans over his desk and says, I'm not really sure why you think this is such a big issue other than your family, because you're the only person in the entire school system that has actually voiced an opposition to the mask mandate. And let me ask you a question. Do you think she is the only parent with an opposition to that? Now, here's the thing. It is all well and good to come to church on a Sunday and to listen to a message, to get swept up in the Holy Spirit, and that, that praise and worship was awesome this morning. But if we leave this house and we go back to our houses, and we live our lives, and you think that when the fight eventually comes to your door, that someone's going to be standing next to you, you are wrong, other than Jesus Christ, who will help you lick your wounds and get you to the kingdom faster. But here's the thing. You have to stand up now. You have to have a voice now. If you don't have a voice now, then don't expect that you'll be heard when the time comes. And what does that actually even mean? Well, guess what? We still live in the greatest country on the face of planet Earth called the United States of America. We still have elected officials, although often bought, they are still elected, and I believe in that process. And so guess what? Don't you think that you ought to get up, go tell somebody what you heard today, and then call your representatives who are elected to say, hey... I'm not some weird family by myself over here in a small minority that has no power in getting you reelected or elected. And so we will vote. And here, here's the thing. Every, most people become quiet because they think that they are a tiny little minority. Guess what? Right now, actually, the, uh, the data right now shows when polled, there are 60, and this is, this is actually published, which I can't even mean, it's got to be way higher than this. 60% of all people question the safety of vaccines, period, any vaccines. Did you hear that? Yeah. So if you feel that way, you're not by yourself. You're part of the majority. Yeah. But if you think you're part of the minority, then guess what? You probably will not say anything. And the Bible in Mark 7.13 says, making the word of God of no effect through the handing down of traditions of man. And let me tell you something. We've handed down a lot of stuff that's not worked. The, the tidal wave of death, destruction, and maiming of humanity that God has created is going to come to an end in Jesus' name uh, because the truth is going to come to light. Right. Amen. And so uh, we're not going to let uh, vaccines. Amen. Give him a hand. Come on. So on one hand, we are pro-life and we are fighting for the unborn. But on the other hand, we are anti-vaccine and fighting for the health of our families that we will not willingly take poison into our bodies which are going to harm us, maim us, or uh, kill us. Can I get an amen? amen? And so there are places, there are things that you can do. Now there are a couple of, uh, not a couple, there are several states in America where uh, vaccines are mandated. And even for a religious, 
your religious conscience or your religious beliefs, they will not let you opt out. California and New York are two of the big ones. Now, we still have freedom in Texas, but I can tell you that there are things happening where now is the time to begin to stand up and make our voices heard about this, where we say, no, we vaccines, first of all, need to go away altogether, but it needs to be optional for us. Whether we pray about it and just ask the Lord, is this something that you want me to do or not? Here's the thing. I'm about freedom. I'm about America being America. If you really want to vaccinate your kids, I will actually stand in front of bullets for you to have that choice. Just like I hope you stand in front of bullets for me to make my choice. There is a uh, group called Texas for Vaccines Choice. Uh, Can you put that slide up there? Te- well, I don't know that it's up there. But Texas for Vaccine Choice, this is where you need to go and get involved you guys don't realize that every single legislature, there is actually uh, laws being voted on to completely remove every single exemption possible to close the loop for you and your kids to be able to, to opt out or have a choice on vaccines every single time. And by the skin of our teeth, we have got those to be called down every single time. It's gonna, with all, with, you know, societies are moved by fear. You know, and the powers that be say, you know, don't ever let a crisis go unused, right? And so they are really thinking that this is the time that they're going to be able to push this thing across. And that's why I'm here today. That's right. So um, we're kind of in a crisis situation, but we can still, we still have the opportunity to say no. We still have the opportunity to stand for this. So um, I think that's the end of our discussion. If anybody has any questions, we're running late. Uh, We'll take one question. Um, If you want to come up, there's a microphone here that's available for you. Cuban's got it in the back. Um, We'll get that mic going. We'll get that mic going. And so we'll just take this one question. As they're bringing that mic down, I just want to make sure, again, everybody realize the solution to this is just, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's God's love. Let's just sit in that, first of all, because otherwise you start having a spirit of fear and, you know, lack and whatever else. That's not from God. Can I get an amen from somebody? So this, I, I don't want you guys to come to church and be like, oh, man, that was a heavy message right there. Just know this. God wins. I read the end of the book. We won, right? All right, so, here we go. One question. One go question. Make it a good question. You, sir. What would the purpose be for, what would the, purpose be for the RNA uh, manipulation, DNA manipulation uh, in their agenda with that? So, again, so the, the reason for the RNA, the, the messenger RNA genetically engineered portion of the Moderna vaccine, the COVID vaccine, is specifically so that it hijacks the protein-producing parts of the cell to actually have it make the crown portion of the vaccine so that when that crown portion of the vaccine goes through all of your body tissues and fluids, that you have an immune response to that and that you create an immune response so that when you are exposed to COVID, you already have a, a immunity to it, basically. Now, they don't even know if that works, just so you know, but that's the idea. Good, good question. All okay. Right. All right, I think we're good.